0: A lesson learned Walking out from The cave Now in the light Respectful
1: Recovery. This is Monica, and I'm your host. Today is March 27, 2012, and today I am doing a show about young people. Um, And if you uh, are a parent or a teen, uh, if somebody is telling you that you are broken, are you broken, Um, and that you need fixing, um, I'd like to beg to differ and say that's not true, and that none of us are broken, and if you'd like to hear somebody who specializes in the study of the brain, um, you can listen to or go to George Quant, Q-U-A-N-T, and George Quant uh, studied Transcendental Meditation and has been teaching it for over 30 years, and UCLA studied how the brain works and the mind works with meditation, and uh, they spent millions and millions of dollars to study how the brain works and found out that even if you were um, calling yourself an alcoholic or an addict or somebody in 12-step or in recovery, that the part of the brain that has not been used or tapped is completely perfect, that that part of you is not an alcoholic and it's not an addict, and in fact most of your brain um, is completely pure Uh, Now, I'm not sure if you are using Xanax and um, methamphetamine and some other strange drugs, um, what the studies are, but uh, I do think that um, it's really important that we deal with young people. Uh, So one of the books that I want to talk about and I want to promote today is a book by Stanton Peel. Um, Dr. Stanton Peel. He is the author of Seven Tools to Beat Addiction, and the book that I'm looking at is Addiction Proof Your Child, A Realistic Approach to Preventing Drug, Alcohol, and Other Dependencies. And uh, I've had Stanton on before and interviewed him for my upcoming documentary, but um, one of the things that I was reading um, in his book is from page 101 about the difference that children are being raised today than they were, you know, raised um, maybe 30 years ago. And um, I'll just read this one paragraph here because I think it's so um, apropos for the change of the way things are. Um, Do you remember, or if you're an echo boomer yourself, can you imagine as a middle schooler taking long bike rides or riding a bus and being with friends for an entire Saturday, Yeah, I certainly did that in New York City at 13, and, uh, yeah. Perhaps you went to the local swimming pool. Mm hmm I think I did that at, like, 8 or 9 with my brother and sister, or maybe to the movies all the time with my friends. No adults were involved. It was your own idea of fun. You had nothing else scheduled. You were supposed to be home for dinner. Maybe you had a disagreement or got angry at your friends. Maybe you were late and your parents got worried. But your parents never thought to prohibit you from taking such jaunts in the future. After all, that was what adolescence was about. Such outings involved a remarkable amount of independence, something today we wouldn't permit preteen children, children in their early teens or maybe even high school students to do. Among the reasons children no longer play on their own is the perception that they are in danger from child molesters and kidnappers but all indications are that the level of this kind of child abuse hasn't increased and that most such abuse occurs within the home. Stranger kidnappings of children remain extremely rare. What's changed is that you are much more likely to hear about such events today since they are a primary feature of cable news. But as a parent, you are just as obligated to assess the real likelihood of harm for children as to protect them from every conceivable danger. So, I would like to talk about the dangers in Alcoholics Anonymous or even Narcotics Anonymous, I would say any 12-step group at all, but especially um, AA or NA. And from somebody who was in the rooms for over 30-something years, I would say that um, there's a lot of predatory behavior and that when I first went around, I was 18 years old. I'm really talking to parents now. Um, who think that you might your child might have a problem. And what I'd like to say to you is that AA and NA are not safe whatsoever, and that in fact over the years the cult aspect of somebody called a sponsor who is not a trained person is telling people how to live their lives, what to do like they are some specialist. And, you know, when AA first came about, there was not a lot of, solutions for hardcore real alcoholics, real alcoholics falling down drunks, people who are absolutely non-functioning, which a lot of teens do not even get to that level when parents are either sending them off to a rehab. Uh, there's one case that I know for a fact that uh, there was a guy from one of the criminal uh, uh, criminal, I don't think it was Criminal Minds, but I think it was a Law & Order show where he's kid was smoking too much pot. This is in Los Angeles, so I don't know, you know, the percentage of teens smoking pot is probably pretty high. Um, and uh, he sent his kid off to this rehab where this guy was acting like a guru, and in fact, uh, he was uh, sexually preying on and having sex with the 16-year-olds. This, this was a guy who was running this... Um, the sober you know rehab that was in LA a uh, your so if we go back to when you know AA started um, there was not a lot of uh, answers and the per- people to be called an alcoholic uh, were really far gone and I think that the escalation of calling uh, hi there's a few people in the chat room how you doing Um that uh, to call people uh, an alcoholic or an addict which um i was being called a teenage alcoholic as a teenager um is really really um deadly and it's uh really wrong so um it's gotten to the point that if you just begin to have a problem that people are labeling people and then because of aa Uh, And because of the way it's all been sort of twisted and it's entangled in our culture, and I know I've said this before, so forgive me if I'm repeating myself, but it's really annoying. So in our culture, if I watch a TV show, uh, which I did, and one of them, which I really like, was Criminal Minds, and, you know, they had a character who we never even saw her drinking, and they do an intervention. I'm like, you know, all, all we ever see is, you know, she's hiding a bottle you know, in her drawer. This is a woman who works for the FBI. She's in a really expensive suit. She's got a high-powered job. But now they're letting people go, oh, you know, of course, if you're hiding, if you're hiding bottles in a drawer, you know, that's not, you know, normal behavior. But to call everybody an alcoholic who um, who is having a drinking problem, maybe this woman has never even gotten into trouble yet. But she's drinking more than she wants to drink. Now, maybe she should go to Drink Link Moderation. So you could find that on the website, um, Leaving AA, or even on my blog here, I interviewed um, Donna Corbett. from. Uh, she is the founder. It's around for 20 years on moderation for people who uh, haven't even gotten into trouble yet but are finding that they are drinking more than they want to drink. So... Back to the teenagers, back to, hi, hello, parents, or hello, teenager. I would highly suggest that you Google, put into Bing or Google, options other than 12-step, alternatives, which I'm done calling them alternatives because they're not alternatives. They are other options. That uh, Put that into Google or Bing and see what you come up with, and you're going to find a uh, a whole plethora of other choices so we'll start with smart recovery and you click on that and there's a guide, is a video who talks to you directly if you're the one having the problem and in smart they treat you with respect they treat you with someone who you can make a decision yourself in smart no one expects you to go to meetings forever uh... no one expects you to attend a meeting every day and you know truthfully uh, anyone who is even an old timer in AA that when Bill W. and those people got together, they were not meeting in his house every day. There were weekly meetings in cities, weekly, once a week, not three times a day, not 90 meetings, 90 meetings and 90 days came out of AAs, you know, throwing themselves into all the rehab, rehabs using 12-step books for their program because they had no program And they were pouring down telling people, you know, it's 90 meetings in 90 days. Well, what does that do? Oh, well, if you drank every day, it's like, so what? Like, that's what Bill and those other people, they didn't go to 90 meetings in 90 days. And when I first went, are you kidding me? If somebody told me, you have to go to a meeting every day, you know, and you're going to be going here for the rest of your life. You know what I would have said? I would have said, "Um, I don't think so. Uh... I wouldn't have stayed going. So um, I'd like you to call in. We're going to do an hour show, 818-475-9211. If you are a young person, you know a young person, are you a parent? um, Do you have an opinion about what it's like to uh, go and sit in rooms and say over and over again, um, you know, calling yourself an alcoholic when you're 15? 818-475-9211. 818-475-9211 eight one eight four seven five ninety two eleven. Hi there in the chat room. Um so the other part that I want to talk about about things not being safe, again this is to um you know what I want to just read this. This is just a really short little paragraph that what Stanton Peel says AA and twelve step treatment are particularly inappropriate for young people and can be limiting in ways that are themselves addictive this occurs because such treatment demands that they adopt an identity built around the recovery status, which is everlasting. Um, and he tells a story about a woman who joined AA as an adolescent, and then you know it became the center of her existence for all of her crucial years in her life. And Lana, it says here, Lana's social life revolved around her AA friends. But in her 20s, when the boyfriend she met in the group died of an overdose, Um, lana didn't know he was using the world became alien and repulsive to her Um, she says here finally i chose to leave a.a. but continued to stay sober i didn't know what i believed i felt continual fear and doubt for the rest of that year a.a. of course says that you will always be an alcoholic my ex-a.a. friends reinforced and encouraged my self-doubt telling me i would never make it on my own It was a slow process integrating into the outside world. I was so used to relating to people with AA language, I often felt awkward talking to non-AAers, but I got involved with a martial arts group, reconnected with loving relatives, and began working with other artists, and came to feel that I was part of that community. In therapy, I learned to accept my feelings and still go out and live. My life is full now, but it was long, a bumpy it was a long bumpy road to find the strength to be independent. Now so many things bring me pleasure, fulfillment and challenge that getting drunk doesn't interest me. And you know, I think it's really, really, really important to know that besides the fact that there is a long history of sexual predation by AA members, whether they have 20 years or seven years, you're senior. If somebody is sober seven years and you are sober three days or 30 days, trust me, they had a big, uh, you know, advantage over you, which was happened to me. The advantage being that they know exactly what they're doing, and they are using. The young person, very often I would say the large percentage of it is men doing it to women. You have gay on gay, um, men and women hitting on brand new new people, which I have stories of people who have written to me and told me face-to-face, these sort of things. And what happens is they are preyed on sexually by AA and NA members. This is not the outside stuff that we're seeing now of you have a guy who is a third-level sex offender. And, you know, I know there was somebody blogging on one of the N.A. Daytona sites, you know, who was upset about some of what we're talking about with criminal. There's a difference between being charged once when you're really young, you're 20 or whatever his age was, and he was up with an underage minor uh, once, and she get lied to him or he didn't know the age. I mean, that happens. That's You're not a third-level sex offender when that happens and so we're talking about third-level sex offenders who are actually not even alcoholics and addicts they are coming and targeting people at meetings so parents never i mean i would say never send them to a and a twelve step anyway i was watching a show last night breaking bad so i'm watching like the early episodes of their setting up you know the whole first season And, of course, this guy is a meth dealer, and he's a meth user, and he's sitting there with the parents, and he has, like, one joint that he puts on the table. And they're like, you see? You see what we found? You know, we we told you, you know, it's like it's my way or the highway. Who gave the parents these rules about how to deal with their children? I'll tell you where they got it. They got it from A.A., A Al-Anon, and Naranon. And you know what? Truthfully, I think they're out of their minds because if you look at the history of Al-Anon with Lois, she was a total victim, and she was living with a man who was having an affair with, I mean, he slept with so many newcomers, or the stories about Bill W., but we know the facts that he had the woman who was his mistress for some 12 years. So she, here was this kind of woman who put up with that crap, And, uh, you know, created a group of women where they put up with it. Well, man, I tell you something. I I was sitting watching the show, and I was, you know, getting a little pissed off because, I mean, they didn't mention anything about program yet, but the way that the parents treat him, because they find one joint, and so they're saying, well, wow, I mean, I guess, you know, pot is still better than smoking methamphetamine, uh, and, you know, someone talked about it, um, oh, this is the gateway drug. So they're sitting there with, uh, the guy who works for the DEA, who is his brother in law. This is on the story of Breaking Bad. And he turns to him and goes, Well, you know, that's the gateway drug. It's like, not the gateway drug, okay? It's like they're so, um, the gateway drug to what? You know, so we talk about, well, alcohol, okay, so alcohol is the gateway drug. That's the drug. I mean, if we did statistics of how many people use, how many teens and underage people under 21, under 18 drink and have gotten drunk, then, then isn't that the gateway drug? You know, um, uh, if we go to different parts of the country, then you have methamphetamine is used more than, say, in the big cities but you know i got to i got to tell you so uh, my head was spinning i'm watching the show and i'm thinking to myself who told these parents how they, why don't they read stanton peel's book you know on um addiction proof your child and and i'll tell you the sites that i went at, went on when i was reading all this stuff were um smart recovery and smart recovery also has like a place for family then there's rational recovery Now, rational recovery is, Jack Trimpey is way more hardcore, kind of, you know, hit you over the head with calling the addiction the beast, which, for my money, would have never worked for me. I'd be like, you know what, it might work for food or working on some other kind of, you know, habit that you want to break. But I don't even want to call it addictions anymore. You know, everybody just throws that word around. It's like I was with somebody and they go, oh, you know, spending, oh, it's such an addiction. It's just like methamphetamine. I looked at her and I said, are you crazy? Like, Spending money, it's not like an amethamphetamine addiction. Um, but in the culture, people just throw the word around and say, oh, I'm so addicted to coffee, I'm so addicted to sugar, and I'm addicted to swimming. It's like, guys, enough already. Like, it's everything is not an addiction. Um, so I'm watching this show, and, okay, so it turns out that, I mean, and, and this is not, uh, you know, I'm not going to, the show, this is what I'm talking about, is like in the first, season turns out that the little brother it it was the little brother's pot it wasn't even his and the parents tell him to leave and go away and i want to say i want to call up every writer on all these shows And we have a caller on the line i'm going to see who's in the queue here and say hi caller you're live how you doing hello hi can i have your name sure my name is karen hi karen how you doing
2: i'm very good thank you so, Karen, um, what do yes. you like to say, a comment you'd like to? I've been listening to your show from the beginning, and what captured me or captivated my attention was that you were talking about how, you know, these teenagers go to these meetings and how they have to repeat all these things over and over and admit that they're alcoholics. And I don't think that's, really, that's like bad programming you know, in in my way of thinking, like, Mm -hmm.
0: constantly
2: affirming something that is negative is just getting into their system over and over again, you know, and I had the experience of going to one of the meetings, and Mm -hmm. it was just very, like, terrifying for me to see all these young people, like, punishing themselves instead of saying something that will take them out of the whole circle, they're just... Immersing themselves into the whole thing more and more all the time. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know,
1: um, are you um, aware that there's other, you know, places for people to go? There's other options before AA and NA.
2: Um, you know, um, not really. Like, I have a friend, and she's been talking to me about it, but it's not the obvious thing. You know, like AA is the most, I guess, biggest organization that mm-hmm. helps people with these situations. Right. hmm Yeah. Yeah, and so um, I really appreciate you calling in. Thank you so much. No, thank you so much for, you know, taking your time and caring for all of us. Oh, thank you.
1: Talk to you again.
2: Okay, bye. Right, bye-bye. So
1: it was Karen who called in, and, uh, you know, I... Was listening uh, on the note that she was saying. I heard this guy on uh, KPFK, which is 90.7 in Los Angeles, uh, and uh, I think it was Mario, Dr. Mario Martinez, was talking about the brain and um, how a repetition, uh, you know, of repeating something, even like um, like my friend and I were talking earlier, like if you say you're ugly, ugly over and over again, or I'm stupid, I'm stupid, or I don't know how to find my way. That, um you believe that and, uh, it's really, really harmful. And, you know, even myself was somebody who did say, I'm an you know, hi, I'm so-and-so, I'm an alcoholic for years. That it was really when I went to another 12-step program, like I attended Al Anon for years and, you know, I found some of the things helpful there. And then after a, a while, I started to see some behavior that to me just seemed kind of I don't know. It just didn't just didn't feel right anymore and I had gone to this other program and people were negatively labeling themselves and I thought to myself, wow, like, this is really like this is really harmful. And so somebody said, "Well, h- how do you feel about why isn't it the same with calling yourself an alcoholic?" And I said, "Well, I don't know, it's just different." Well, now I don't believe that's true at all. Like, you know, a year ago, I just said, "You know what? This is um this is really harmful and it's not true. And uh I don't think that any of it, me calling myself for the rest of my life when I haven't had a drink, I haven't had a drop of alcohol since I'm 18 and I'm like so 30 it's going to be 37 years. How ridiculous is this that that And you know I went to the Tony Robbins workshop uh with my son and I was just like, "Oh my god, I am so glad I came here after I left so that I could look at myself and say that was a belief system that was a whole picture. I painted, and i got to say this, I have a caller on the line, I'm going to bring them on in a second, that at this young people's event, it's like they haven't let go. It's like they are clinging to the way they look, the way they dress, the way they act, that they are clinging to that I'm an alcoholic, I'm an addict, like this persona, it's a persona, it isn't real. It isn't really who they are. And I think it's a travesty that that's where they go and they spend their time when they could be living their lives. So hi, caller. Uh, you're live on the air. What's your name? What are you
3: doing, It's Kevin.
1: Hey, Kevin. How you doing?
3: Not bad. How are you?
1: Fine. Do you want to say something?
3: Well, I literally just, just tuned in, and I just barely caught the last bit that you just said. So what am I missing?
1: Ah, okay. Um, so basically, I was talking about young people and that, that I feel like that young people are lied to. When you have somebody who has barely been drinking calling them an addict or an alcoholic. And I sort of went, you know, the history of Bill and how all those guys were, you know, they were really far along. They had been drinking for 20 years, hardcore. They had lost everything. And that um, I felt that it was very harmful to, you know, label yourself that forever and to think that you had to go to meetings forever, like that was the answer. You know, and I read some stuff out of Stanton Peel's book about how to addiction-proof your child and I was sort of talking to the parents you know of about that I you know that it's not safe and it's not safe because the predators are actually AA members we're not just talking about third level sex offenders targeting we're talking about a real problem that's gone on for as long as I know over 35 years of AA and NA members actually targeting its own members sexually and financially And so why would you, to tell parents, no, and to tell teens, you're not safe there. And not because some boogeyman is there, but members in sheep's clothing could be sponsor. Especially if you're gay, okay, you know. So, you know, I was doing, you know, just talking about that and just how wrong I think it is. So, you know, you have some comment that you'd like to?
3: Well, I mean, you see, I mean, there's, The first comes to mind is that more and more of that is coming out in the media. You know, you'll see, you you know, you and I watched that news where uh, one gentleman uh, had sexually molested a newcomer who wanted to do her fourth step or work her fifth step with him in a a motel. Right. And, uh, you know, and and then, uh, you know, there's other cases of people ripping off people for millions of dollars. That's just another recent thing, which is not uncommon. But what I'm noticing now uh, these days is that it's coming out more in the media, Mm -hmm. and I I say I say it's about time. And these uh, the young folks that come in, you know, they they either get love bombed and they fall for it and they go, wow, yeah, this is a great place, Mm -hmm. or they hate it. You know, I've known Mm -hmm. Frances did did the one meeting and they hated it. They wanted nothing to do with it. Right. You know, uh, going back to my past, I hated it.
0: I was like, Mm -hmm. I I really. Mm. I was like, well, here. Yeah. I thought that you only just go to one, one meeting and that's it. You have to go every day for the rest of your life or you mm-hmm. know, for, or just go several times for the rest of your life. Right. Um, there there are good things. There are good mm-hmm. people. That's the crazy thing is that there are good people, unfortunately. Right. There are some really bad people that
3: do not have good intentions. Right, uh, there, right. are, there are folks that show up and you know, I guess that's why you'd have open meetings. But there, I've been to meetings that were supposedly closed where people went, and they didn't go for sobriety; they went for research. You know, I would end up, you know, how keep this one particular person, nameless that I saw in the business, right? And I mentioned, hey, I saw you such and such, you know, a time ago at this room, and right. they're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I just went there to, you know, do a study on that. I was like, <laughs> and I just, I didn't say anything, but I was like, wow you know I, I just couldn't uh I couldn't believe it, and that's not the only person there are other, there's so many different ty- you know types there, so it's really you know again i stand i stand by you when you know a place of recovery needs needs at least literature at least to let people be aware that you know you know please watch your back you know right. and to let people that have been going there to please you know uh you know have some respect, you know, for your other fellow member that you're, you know, trying to get sober with, because mm-hmm. uh it's a place, it's a place that I have found to be of hiding. It's a, you know, where people that do bad things go and hide. Maybe they want to get some help. Yeah, sure. But you can't, I, I really don't believe that you, you know, should keep participating in your negative behavior and keep going to these rooms, you can't keep ripping people off, especially inside the rooms, you know, it's just, mm-hmm. just, it's just, it's, <laughs> I, mean, I can't even find the word for it, it's absurd, it's, it's disrespectful, it's not spiritual, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, that's what, that's what makes it, that's what makes it bad for the folks who are, who do have good hearts, that are there to, to, uh, to really sincerely get well, and to help
0: other folks, old and new, that's, that's what really spoils it for me.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you serve, uh I think that. Um, do you think that? You know, uh, what is the solution? Do you have an idea for a solution?
3: Well, again, the, the, for starters, the literature that you have worked so hard these past two and a half, almost three years, to fight to get to allow you know people to say, look, this is not a place. It's not a. It's not a bank. People are not walking ATMs. Mm-hmm. It's not a. It's not a. It's not a brothel. It's not a lot of mm-hmm. dating service, you know. And uh, unfortunately, there's folks that go there for this. And it, that's what should be known. That should be stated in literature. And the resistance is just unfathomable. That, yeah. you know, folks have come back and have said, no, no. You know, I don't know why the resistance. If someone said, uh, if I didn't know you and you came up to me with this literature, I'd say, this is good. This is a good thing. Right, I would have right. that." Mm-hmm. But I don't know why there's such resistance and why there guys, you know, because I have tried to pass out literature that has, you know, predicted value in the past. And, uh, you know, letting folks know that this is, uh, you know, you know, a new program you're working on and it's grassroots uh, development to let folks know, you know, this we're trying to make a safe recovery for folks. And some guys have said, well, this is this AA approved literature? Do you know how much AA uh, uh, literature out, uh, that's out there that is not approved? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, you know, and I'm like, if you, you know, I'm like, if you want to play it that way, then let's go over every little piece
0: of paper that you have out there that you're saying we should go take and see if they're all approved. Okay? Yeah. And a lot
3: a lot of them don't know what to say. A lot of them don't know. They took the commitment because it's a commitment. Mm-hmm. So, you know,
1: I, it's... Yeah, it sounds like just... Yeah. I'm, co- I'm sorry, go ahead.
3: I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say.
1: Yeah. Well I th- I think that um uh I'm sorry there was a caller in the queue. Um I don't know if they wanted to talk. Eight one eight four seven five ninety two eleven if you want to call back. Um I'll take your call, eight one eight four seven five ninety two eleven. Uh one of the things, uh there was a young people's event and we wanted to do some kind of safety thing. They wouldn't let us do it. Um we had heard that there was a guy who was a predator on the committee Um, You know, there's a lot of things that were said, but at the end of the day, um, between, you know, a a 10-day period, I went up to uh, the Pacific Regional AA Service Assembly up in uh, Bellevue, Washington, which, you know, there were some 500 people in a ballroom in the morning, and the title of the panel was called Predators in AA. And um, so the general service um, of the Pacific region, you know, 500 to 700 people got together, and on an 8 o'clock on a Saturday morning, they decided it was important enough, a problem, that they were going to get in there, and they weren't just talked to. You know, there were four members, excuse me, ordinary members that were giving a valid talk on it, and two of the women were just amazing what they said, and then they had people get up with the mic, and the 25 or so people who got up with the mic, all but two, talked about this as a real problem. And... I wrote my literature and people took it and we went with it. But it's gonna take more than literature because if you have the young people's, you know, Acupa groups that are just all working out on their own and they are the ones that are resisting addressing the issue, those people are more highly sexed than the groups with the seniors in it. You know what I mean? Although seniors
0: yeah. is where yeah, we saw concerned. the
1: Yeah, we saw the financial abuse going on because the seniors have the money. And that's where, you know, it's two big stories like you mentioned where 7 million, you know, 23 AA members, $7 million. and I mean, there's like five stories in the last year about the financial in the millions. But the thing with the young people are that they're the ones where the sex drives are so strong right now and those kids are just, you know, it's just a free-for-all. It's just a free-for-all. It's not safe. And, And if they would even discuss it, they should discuss it, but I think as a whole, um, AA is not not accountable um, like the KKK or uh, you want to compare it to, you know, they say, well, you know, we cannot tell how our members how to behave, and I want to say to them, guess what, you know, you're a 5013C, you are a nonprofit uh, in the United States, and we have laws about 40-year-olds having sex with 16-year-olds, in every state in the United States and they cannot wash their hands and say well it's up to the group and then the group says well it's up to New York we need you to write us literature for me a has become a bunch of followers you know i mean the reason i'm going to go to an secular for sobriety meaning tonight in Hollywood SOS i interviewed jim christopher last year and he didn't like it back in the 70s and he started it over 27 years ago And I'm going to go, it's a free meeting. There's over 600 meetings throughout the world. Um, And he, uh, you know, even the kind of thinking, the kind of things that have been said to you, Kevin, that have been said to me and other people that called in that are on the blogs, that, um, you know, the fact that uh, when they say it's an outside issue, it's like a joke. And I did two shows on the uh, traditions and that second one that I labeled You know, the tradition 10, 11, 12, these are the ones that are used mostly for excuses for predators being allowed to stay. This hogwash that was written in the 1940s about that we we can never turn anyone away. We can never, I mean, they were not having third-level sex offenders sentenced by a judge, giving their stamp of approval that you should go to AA along with your violent past, the fact that you've had already you know, you were, um, what is it when a guy, you know, attacks a woman and they have a a restraining order put on him, they're going to send those? Are you kidding me? That those back in the 40s, no, no, they were going after Coca-Cola and going after the biggest companies, like the finest, the creme de la creme of companies in the United States, that that's who they wanted, those fine people to come to a meeting, not third-level sex offenders and violent criminals who had already did really bad things. That's not who they were inviting you know what I mean and so this blinder kind of you know when you read it there it's ridiculous and the further I get away and step away from it when I read it I'm gonna say you know what I wouldn't even go to a dentist who had you know the same kind of um, you know uh, equipment right you know to drill my teeth and uh, or go to an OBGYN uh, you know, to take care of me as a woman for my female needs. I mean, even breast exams have gone eons from what they were 20 years ago, you know. So, I mean, I really appreciate you calling. Um, I have an unknown caller in the queue. You want to hang on here, Kevin, while I see who this caller is? Well,
3: No,
1: no, sure. Go ahead take the call. Let's go. Okay. Hang on. Hi, caller. You're live. Can I have your name and what city you're calling from?
4: Hi, this is Harriet from Florida.
1: Oh, hi, Harriet. How you doing? Hey,
4: Harriet. Okay, and you?
1: I'm good, I'm good. I'm, uh, hey, Harriet, you how so you Yeah, this is Kevin, Harriet. Oh, you hey, Kevin. <laughs> Hello, Harriet, hi. Hey, there. Good, hi, there.
3: good.
4: Um, I thought this would be a good time to bring up. I was on NADaytona.org, and there's a new article there about Um, The National Council of Juvenile and Family Court Judges Mm -hmm. do not recommend AA meetings for juveniles. Mm. Now, even though they don't recommend it, there's still many juvenile courts that are still sending juveniles to AA and NA. Wow. But this is a very respected council,
0: Mm
4: -hmm. and I thought I would just... Um, reading mm-hmm. one little paragraph says many juvenile drug courts have not found the AANA model to be effective or helpful for their clients mm-hmm. it is not at all uncommon to step into a courtroom or juvenile probation office and listen to a youth explain that the AANA meeting simply did not work for them wow. mm-hmm. the most frequent reason that youth give for leaving AA and NA is boredom or perceived lack of fit.
0: <laughs>
4: I'm sure you are definitely bored. Um, but this this was really good to see. And then it also yeah. mentions, and I wanted parents to know this, if they have children in the court system,
0: mm-hmm.
4: and if they have any problems, they could contact this organization's if, this is being violated.
0: Right.
4: It says courts can legally mandate attendance at sober support meetings, including AA a, and NA. Wow. But all youth must have a choice between AA, NA, and secular programs as a result of federal court decisions.
0: Mm hmm.
4: Officials may not order mandatory participation in religious programs, including AA and NA, unless a secular alternative can be offered.
0: Therefore
4: if a youth objects to the 12 step approach on religious grounds mm-hmm. and there is no other form of sober support available in the community the juvenile court is prohibited from requiring the wow. youth to participate
0: Wow
1: this is great this is a a new story because I had your thing um bookmarked you know for my show and I but I didn't you know open it up so this is really good. Maybe this is something that we could partner with. Um,
0: it's well, they re- have
4: safety concerns. They, yeah. you know, the whole model. They, they don't think the. Another important thing is something you had brought up about not calling them addicts. Is that they actually say that it is rare that most of the juveniles coming through the judicial system qualify for the. Di- Diagnostic criteria for substance use disorder, SUD. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm, so
4: they mm-hmm. they're saying, and these are experts,
0: <laughs> right?
4: That the majority of them don't qualify to have a substance use disorder,
0: mm. and
4: you know it does work for maybe ones they do feel are really addicted to some extent, but
0: right, right. But I
4: feel there's still many of these courts and judges that are very pro AA that are totally ignoring this advice Mm -hmm. and are being mandated, and teens don't have to go to AA and NA, and, you know, they should have an alternative. So if you're not getting that.
1: Wow, that's really a good article. I might um, cut and paste or, you know, just at least put a link over here. So we're listening. um, This is a website for you, for anyone listening. um, It's nadaytona.org. And, um, it's, and it's and I'm going to really let
4: you go. I just wanted to squeeze that in there because it it seemed to fit with what you were discussing and and just came out and seemed you know good news that there's professionals coming out saying this. Right, right. I really have appreciate problems it. With it happening. Okay. Bye, guys.
1: Bye. Thanks, Harriet, for calling in. Bye. Thanks. Okay. Bye, bye. Wow, that's really really good news, isn't it, Kevin? That's well, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
3: It gives the young adult a choice. It gives them a choice. Right,
1: you know, right. Right, I right. Yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. You no,
3: know, they could try them all and see what they like. You know, see what works for them. You know, instead of just being you are ordered to go here and only here, and that's it. You know, right,
0: that's just,
1: right. So and you I want to say, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I keep on jumping on you here. No, no, no. Jumping on you. Um, uh, the um, There's some new... New, I want to say, programs that are being developed, Amy LeCoy, who wrote From Deaf to White Part, is developing something now. She has a book, and um, a lot of people responded to her, and because she was in and out of AA at the age of 14, dropped off at a rehab that didn't work both for 20 years, and finally writes this book and develops something that's more self care and self-love, you know, very different from, say, rational recovery, might be a good fit for a lot of women. And um, then there's On Track and Beyond, which Hank Hayes wrote a book, You've Been Lied To, and On Track and Beyond. So in his book, he, he sort of exposes the lies that are told in AA, and then he gives you a program, and he's also developing the same thing, the tools to... Um, you know, live a successful, empowered life. And I know that Tony Robbins has an empowered, like a weekend for youth um, that is, you know, sort of a mirroring program that he has for adults. He has for, you know, I guess for teens. But um, so those are ones. And then even Drink Link Moderation has some books for uh, youth, for binge drinking, for college students. I think it's really a travesty. Like, I, somebody sent me a link about Long, the Long Beach uh, University or what, Long Beach State, you know, that they are all, like, proud that they started, like, this AA meeting. And I'm like, why? Like, what is this? You know, I mean, I guess they have religious clubs and stuff. But, you know, um, I do think that everybody needs to know that uh, this smart's there and rational recovery's there and that um, secular for sobriety is there and... Uh, what am I leaving out, women for sobriety? And that there's these, especially for parents, as, you know, Kevin and I are, you know, parents of teens or now one is 21, that, you know, most likely your kid is going to go through some stage of, you know, either, you know, get drunk, that just because, like I was joking with my kids that, you know, what kind of stupid crap I said to them when I was so drinking the Kool-Aid and, you know, Anthony was making fun of me, but I was laughing because it was... True, some of it was true, and how I really changed. Thank God for you know Stinking Thinking and Orange Papers. Um, Orange Papers uh, is the website, um, mostly revealing you know some of the truths about AA that I didn't know. And then Stinkin' Thinkin' was a blog that you know really wanted to shine the light and expose um, just the cultiness and so much that I I just didn't see. And I find that. When I found, when it was other bloggers that told me about Stanton Peel and, you know, I mean, I think these kind of books should be given out and available to maybe middle school, maybe eighth grade, so that when your kid gets into high school that everybody doesn't think, oh, you need to go to a meeting, you know. Well, what kind of meeting are you talking about and making this assumption that the AA meeting is has any leader, which it doesn't, and there is nobody in charge, and there's no safety set up anywhere, and that who would want your kid to go there anyway, you know? And I think that I start I labeled this show like we are like men, you know, who are broken. We're like men who have lost their legs; they never grown new ones. Like I'm embarrassed that I even once talked about this. Like you know, I finally was like they beat me down enough. I didn't. It took like two years. For me to buy that crap, Kevin, you know, two years, Uh, how long, I mean, what did you, when you first heard those lines, like in chapter five, and, you know, what did you think about that?
3: I still don't get it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, 17 years, I'm like, I, men who've lost their legs, they never grow new ones, you know. Then I'll look at the guy sitting next to me or uh, across the room who was actually in a wheelchair. And I, I, sometimes I want to go up to him and say, what do you think of that? You know, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I <laughs> that line to this day, I still don't get it. I still don't get it. I still don't mm-hmm. understand it, you know.
1: Yeah, it's pretty, um, it, what it, What I got that it meant eventually was that you are you are so broken, Kevin, that uh-huh. there is no healing. Like there is no way out of this. That is not true.
3: That is not true. That's right. That is absolutely not true.
1: Right. You know? But but the, they're kind of saying. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
3: No, no, go ahead, go ahead, go
1: ahead. no, I mean, but the kind of saying that if you listen to old timers, you know, which I know plenty of them, women and stuff, that the the rat wheel of what they're saying in their head that, well, you know, my best thing. I mean, I've seen women with twenty-five, thirty years repeat the nonsense that they had to run things by other people. You know, that they were still broken. They their their thinking wasn't straight enough yet. Well when the fuck is it gonna get straight enough if it isn't straight after twenty five years of sitting in these stupid meetings? What a ridiculous program. You haven't figured it out after twenty five years or thirty years. There's something wrong. You're, you're studying a book that was written in 1935 or finished in 1939 by some idiot called Bill Wilson, who was a total predator and a crazy, depressive jerk who was so depressed that after 20 years he had to, you know, do series of, you know, <laughs> of LSD treatments, you know, doing a Ouija board, you know, tr- you know, digging anywhere. He was so, so depressed.
3: I'm surprised that's not in the big book. That's a section on how to do LSD and Ouija boards.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's just absurd. You know, it's really absurd. And I'm, I want to just encourage everybody to, you know, go everywhere you can, get these other books, blog. Parents don't do not send your kids, and parents, you know, look for other options. And the fact that many people just I think that the way that we talk to our children, the way that we, uh, you know, tell them, oh, you're going to be, you know, your chances of being an alcoholic, that and therapists need to be educated, you know, I educate my therapists and you know, two of them, and say, you know, especially one I did, you know, that's like that's not true, it's a lie, it's not a disease, and it's not hereditary. And just because i 'm a singer doesn 't make my kid going to be a singer, even though they 're going to have the genes that they can sing. Maybe they 're not going to choose to be a singer, and even if your kid is drinking crazily, like we saw with one of ours, that as soon as he turned twenty one and as soon as we stopped like you know telling him all the crap and said, "You are not powerless. You are making a choice you drink You, you choose alcohol or you choose your family, but you 're going to make the choice." And that was a lot from rational recovery, you know, but when you see the sanity of the way that I saw people treated at smart recovery meetings, where you can have a dialogue about something, right, as you saw, instead of everybody being, you know, there was a couple of people that were judgmental when you and I went that one time, but for the most part, you could actually have a discussion about some really highly charged things that if you had that in an AA meeting, people would be like, you know, yelling at you know, screaming at each other or whatever, but certainly not having a discussion with an open mind. Least, you know, that's from my experience. Right, 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 right. You know,
3: um, and this is sad thing too because there are folks that actually, you know, that actually go to meetings and they go to their their first meeting and you know what? They can have a wonderful experience. You know, mm-hmm. they can have an experience, and you know, so some. Maybe they've gone to that same room, and through the years have never had a problem. And I say, hey, that's great. That's great.
0: Mm-hmm. That's
3: fantastic. Unfortunately, they're, they're not all like that. Uh, you and I have both seen A huge change in the rooms, and of course, you know, you know, things will change, but not necessarily for the better. In the past, you know, something years, mm-hmm. you know, it seemed to have leaned towards this. Or uh, it's either that or, you know, we've got more aware. I've got more aware of what's been going on, you know, around me in the rooms, you know.
1: so well, maybe, I don't know. Maybe. I, think, I think it's a combination, Kevin. I think yeah. that um, the, that many people who, like you said, there's a lot of good people, stopped going to many of those big mixed meetings and went to um, – women's stags or men's stags, and everybody gets married and has children and have full lives and they're really busy and go to wayless meetings. And so the big meetings that are mixed, um, there's that population that's somebody like you and me, or like many of the women at the meeting that I used to go to, they don't go to those meetings anymore. So those meetings are dominated by court-ordered newcomers and predators and then the random person who just walks in who lives close by.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. you could look at how many meetings you attended, you know, and ten years ago and five years ago, and meetings that you and I have seen in Los Angeles that are gone. They just closed down and they they're, they're yeah. don't they don't exist anymore.
3: There, there now, uh, there are some court ordered people that I've known that have stayed mm-hmm. for a while. You know, not many, but a few have stayed in the meeting. Miraculous wow. changes in their Mm-hmm. You know, but, mm-hmm. uh, I haven't gotten too specific as to what they've done. I found out in a couple of cases what they've done, and it's been pretty bad.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: They have stayed, you know, and I've seen their behavior. And, they, you know, they have not, you know, shown any type of behavior where they're going to like, uh, say take advantage of someone, you know, fiscally or, you know, or sexually.
0: And that's mm-hmm. I I think that's. You see, that's 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 what I see as good
3: people. That's what I'm talking about—the great things that can actually happen in the world. You
1: know? Yeah. Well, but, I think in, even in Hank Hayes' yeah. book, it's a good book to read. You see somebody, you know, um, who got into trouble, and but his story is good, and we got to meet him. So I think that um, you know, if anybody wants you want to read a really, really good book, I would highly suggest to read "You've Been Lied To: The Untold Truth About Mainstream Alcohol and Addiction Treatment Programs." and the secrets on how to eliminate the problem for good by Hank Hayes on track and beyond he's a great great guy and uh, i look forward to you know hanging out with him again and meeting his wife um i want to thank the callers for calling in i want to thank kevin kevin thank you so much for calling in and being my co-host for today um to
3: take care of our dog he's going to yeah take crazy.
1: care of that dog yeah, i can hear him barking in the background that's take blue care. Okay. All right. And um bye-bye. Thanks so much. And I want to thank uh Karen um for calling in and Harriet for calling in and uh check out uh nadaytona.org. go to orange papers. Uh Stinking Thinking is still up as an encyclopedia. I want to thank um people in the chat room who came in. Uh it was a little quiet tonight. And um but it's always good because you can hear any of the shows are archived. I want to celebrate um It was one year that I'm doing my shows. I've had over 7,700 listens to the shows, and I'm really glad about that and glad about making the change and speaking up and speaking out that um, we are not powerless, that we are empowered, that there are many, many other options to Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous, and they are Smart Recovery, Secular for Sobriety, which I'm going to attend my first meeting tonight, and I'll report back. Next week, um, what I thought about it and how it went and women for sobriety and uh, all the good stuff. And I just want to thank you all and we'll see you again next week. Okay, take care and good night.